0: Hi there and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching.
1: Hey man. Wasn't that a sweet time of worship? Mm, thank you Jesus. Well, I want to just say good evening for those of you that have come out on a Friday night. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for those that are joining us online as well. My name is Heather. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm just really great grateful to be here with you tonight. Um, You may not know this about me, maybe you do, but I was actually I'm actually an art major. Um, I went to school for fine arts. My parents were crazy. Uh, (laughs) They knew I wanted to be a graphic designer, so I knew I wasn't going to be a starving artist, but uh, that was my major. And my last semester of college, I got a really incredible opportunity to actually travel overseas. And it was my last semester, and I had to finish one credit, and it was my Art History 2 class, so I actually took that class remotely overseas. And what was pretty incredible about doing that is that I got to travel as much as I possibly could, right? When you're over there, you do as much traveling as you can. And I got to go to the museums and see the pieces of art in person that my classmates back at home were only reading about in textbooks. How cool is that? I remember writing essays and just telling my professor about just how impactful and how formative that was to stand in the presence of those pieces of great, great art. Now, it's so interesting when you're over there, especially as a student, because you get into a lot of museums for free, and you notice that there are a ton of people that come to see these great masterpieces in person. I mean, they will stand in the longest lines And for hours, um, just to get into the Louvre, for example, they'll spend a lot of money, and did you know this, you cannot actually get through the Louvre in one day. So they'd probably have to come back again, spend a whole lot more money, just to be able to see a few more of the pieces that they came to see. And, And I watched this over and over again at every museum I went to, and I realized, you know, people are willing to do pretty much anything to stand in the presence of a great piece of art. And it was interesting, when I was actually in the Louvre, I call this this experience my Mona Lisa mosh pit experience, because when I finally, finally found the Mona Lisa, (laughs) it took a while, uh, when I finally found it, there was such a large crowd of people, I was like, it must be in there somewhere, because this whole crowd of people were pushing and shoving, trying to get to the front of the crowd just to take a picture of the actually very surprisingly small Mona Lisa who is smiling behind a plate of glass. That experience of seeing these pieces in person really started to, to just impact me as, as a person. And, and I realized you know what? Great art does that, doesn't it? It stirs something in your soul. It really does. Whether it's great pieces of music or a beautiful masterpiece or a good old folk song, or a really great film. These pieces of art, or, or a novel that you've just read over and over again, these pieces of art aren't just inspiring, and they're not just enjoyable for the mere fact that we like them, but there is something about these great pieces of art that you don't actually really see and understand the piece at just a first glance. That that it's actually created great works of art, timeless works of art, are actually created that you would come back over and over and over again to either watch the film numerous times or listen to the song numerous times or or come back to the piece of art and, and see a brushstroke you didn't see before. Most great pieces of art art that are timeless require you to come back again and again and again. I mean, this is why we see uh, novels that are constantly being remade again and again into one, yet again, another movie. Uh, That's why we see this whole new generation of of young people who are discovering the people, uh, great songs and great musicians from a while ago, like Bob Dylan or or, uh, David Bowie, why books and documentaries are still being released, dissecting and analyzing cult films. They stir up this question within us, don't they? They they point to something greater. They mystify us a bit. One day, we actually will find ourselves at a point where we think, you know what, I've not noticed this until this point right now. There's something new that I've seen, and it changes everything. You know, they're not designed to give up all their secrets the very first time around. And so it is with the Bible, so it is with the bible but the bible is far greater than just a piece of art or a great compilation of writings it is god breathed it is god inspired and god wants to use it to change our lives to absolutely change us in 2 timothy 3:16 through 17 it says all scripture is god breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in all righteousness so that the servant of god may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And I know that this view of the Bible is not that popular of a perspective nowadays. I mean, just look <laughs> at culture at large. People have real issues with the Bible, don't they? And maybe rightly so. I mean, let's just be honest. The Bible has actually been used in a lot of awful ways uh, to justify things that have just been done to people that you know, it's been done in the name of the Bible, but never was actually, you know, biblical or at all Jesus' heart. But then there's this other part of the Bible that is this unavoidable reality that it has a lot to say about what is good and what is evil, has a lot to say about what's right and wrong, and and it has a lot to say about how we should live and, and how we should think. And I don't know about you, but I think as a general rule, most people don't like to be told these things, do they? They don't like to be told what to do. And the Bible, you know, see, the God, God wants to use the Bible to really just impact the way that we live. He wants to form us to be more like him, and he does that through his word. But the actual way that, that the word starts to change us over time is not by a bunch of copy and paste to do's or don'ts. You know, It's, it's just not a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's it's really forming us slowly over time in a context of relational intimacy with God. We read it with Him. I mean, have you ever read a passage in Scripture that you've read a thousand times before and it pops right off the page? You think, have I not read this? I've read this so many times, but I've never seen that. That's just like with the Word. Let's go ahead and just pray. I want to invite the Lord to direct this time um, and just give him uh, just this little bit of time that we have to talk about this incredible, incredible book. Oh, Lord Jesus, we want to invite your presence here, and I just feel like, yes, Lord, I just say, "Um, come and direct this time. I have just this great expectation that you are going to speak to us tonight, that you you are here. (laughs) The weight of your presence is thick, so God, would you Use this teaching not just to inform us of some good facts, but would it shift our love for your word? I ah, would give you this time in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I'm sure many of you know there are multiple ways to read the Bible. There are multiple ways. Uh, you can use it for memorization, right? You can memorize a verse. Uh, you can read it as a part of your daily reading plan. We've got quite a few of those available here at the church, whether it's through 40 days or some of the ones online. Or you can just read it like any other book, right? Just from right to left until it's done. You could read it like that too. Or you could even read it academically. You study it. You unpack it. You you look at the context, you look at the beauty of its meaning. I love to study the word of God. I think that is one of my things that I just I get caught up in the research. I just get really really like amped up and excited and nerded out. It's just awesome. <laughs> and and it's something that I really enjoy doing and I would say is really important for all of us to some degree. Not that we're supposed to be Bible scholars all of us, but that we have a understanding and grasp of the word that we can defend it, that we can and talk about what we know and, and what we know about God to others, and that we can teach it, that we can teach it. We're all commanded to teach the Word. And so there, there is this real important, important part of learning how to study the Bible, to understand its context. But I think that when we only engage with the Bible like this, it starts to affect our love for the word. It really does. If something happens to the way that we engage with the word when we're only engaging with it with our mind, with, when we read or study a passage and we check off in our mind, okay, well, look at there. I just read a passage of scripture for the day and we move on. What we're doing is we're actually just kind of keeping it at arm's length, aren't we? And we're not really letting it soak in to us. We're not letting it penetrate our souls. We'll engage with it mentally, but we're not engaging with it on a heart level. And that's when our love for the word starts to dwindle. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a place where you felt like, this book is so dry, I'm just reading it, and I don't know what I'm reading. And we've all been in seasons like that where the word feels really dry and lifeless. Um, especially if you've been a Christian for a long time, and I, and I want to affirm that that's kind of normal, but there's a reason for it too, and I love how Ruth Haley Barton says, um, it describes her relationship with the Word of God actually when she was in Bible school. I think it's really helpful. She says, although I wouldn't have known how to talk about it then, slowly but surely, the scriptures were becoming a part of human striving and intellectual hard work. Somehow I had fallen into a pattern of using scripture as a tool to accomplish utilitarian purposes rather than experiencing them as primarily a place of intimacy with God for my own soul's sake. The shift was so subtle. It's just that over time, without my awareness, those purposes had trumped the greater purpose for which the scriptures have been given to allow my own heart and soul to be penetrated by an intimate word from God. My mind remained engaged, but my heart and soul had drifted far away. Isn't that well put? You know what I also love is in Psalm 1, in Psalm 1, it talks about the way that we are meant to read scripture, the way that we're meant to read scripture and the power it has to actually transform us. I want to read that real quick. Just verses one through three. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or, t- or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law at day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Now this is really interesting because the Bible is describing itself. (laughs) It's describing itself as a work intended for ongoing consideration. And what the text actually calls it it's called meditation, right? Meditation. The Bible is really meditation literature. And this short poem in Psalm 1, here the author is contrasting these very two different kinds of people, the wicked, the sinners, and the mockers, though that sit and stand and walk with them, and then conversely, those who are to delight in the law of the Lord, and and the law here it could refer to the Torah, the first five Bibles in, or five five books in the Old Testament, or it could refer to the covenant literature of Moses, or it can refer, as I think it does here, to biblical literature as a whole. Meaning, the psalmist is telling us how fortunate and how blessed is the one who delights in the Bible, delights in the Bible. How fortunate is the one who loves the scriptures, and not just that, but who meditates on it day and night. You know, many of us hear that word meditation, and and we think it's something like yoga, you know, or emptying ourselves, emptying our minds, but that's actually not what the author has in mind when he's using this word. He's instead talking about a focused reader who intends to Fill their thinking, not empty it, but fill their thinking with profound truths that are woven into this beautiful story of the Bible. I mean, this is really also the Bible's way of describing its ideal reader, too, not just itself, but its ideal reader, someone who loves to read it, who wants to read it carefully and thoughtfully that ongoing consideration with an ear to hear and connect with God through the words, the Bible actually anticipates, there's an expectation that the Bible has, that you will come back to read it again, and again, and again, and again, slowly and thoughtfully and carefully. This is the basis of Lectio Divina. and Lectio Divina is just a fancy Latin word for divine or sacred reading. That's it, just divine or sacred reading. It's an approach to the scriptures that sets us up to listen for a word from God spoken to us in the present moment. It's rooted in the belief that through the presence of the Holy Spirit, the scriptures are indeed alive and active. In Hebrews 4:12 it says that for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even into dividing soul and spirit. How cool is that? Joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. You know, the church has historically emphasized this practice of Lectio Divina, which dates all the way back to the third century. It thrived during the monastic movement right on into the Protestant Reformation, as well as through the Catholic Church. For centuries, disciples of Jesus have understood the practice of Lectio Divina as a method or process of walking through a scripture passage with the intention and expectation of hearing from God. That's what it is. It's the approach that believes that you can go, you can actually meet with God in the Bible, in a personal way, in a passage that probably has nothing to do with you personally, right? But that God can use it, to speak to you personally. There's something powerfully different about what happens when we are willing to approach the word of God like this. (laughs) There's something so beautiful about those inner dynamics that, that we're willing to come to the word, not just to gather information, but to meet with God, to meet with God. Uh, to savor the words, to wonder, and, and to, to ask the question, God, what's on your heart for me today? I mean, that's a beautiful question to ask when we read scripture, to have no other agenda, agenda but other than just to listen and to deepen our intimacy with God, to take time just to notice. You know, this book, this library of writings, both human and divine, has this unique power to form and change our lives. It's really amazing. And and what's beautiful is you don't have to have a Bible degree to do that. It can be anybody. It really can be anyone. You can come to really delight in the scripture and, and to meditate on it day and night. You can come ready to receive from God. You can get shaped into a powerfully just rooted tree that can never be uprooted from Jesus. And I want that. I want that. I want to be rooted in Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer describes Lectio Divina like this. He says, the word of scripture should never stop sounding in your ears and working in you all day long, just like the words of someone you love. And just as you don't analyze the words of someone you love, but accept them as they are said to you, accept the word of scripture and ponder it in your heart, as Mary did. That is all. You don't need to ask, how shall I pass this on? But what does it say to me? Then ponder this word long enough in your heart until it has gone right into you and taken possession of you. Oh, that's beautiful. See, in this listening stance, Scripture becomes an instrument of God's control rather than a tool that we control for our own purposes. But this takes, obviously, some intention, doesn't it? I mean, it's, uh, it's hard to, to come to Scripture and really create space for God to speak. I mean, it's so much easier just to come to the Bible, look for a good few nuggets, a, few, a couple quotes, and or maybe use it to, you know, to defend you know, and argue with somebody. Or, or just use it to, to skim the surface and then check it off for the day. I mean, it's so much easier. But, but God is asking us to do the hard work of slowing down when we read Scripture. And isn't that hard? I mean, it is hard not to fall asleep <laughs> when you're starting to read the Word. And you're slowing yourself down and you're waiting and you're trying to notice and I know that it can be frustrating. It can be frustrating to try to learn how to lean back into that time. But I think most of us it's because we live in such a hurried and fast-paced society. We want it now. <laughs> God tell me it now. You got like 5 minutes. So go. You know, <laughs> instead of of waiting, instead of leaning back and 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 taking it very slow. Because that is actually how the Bible is intended to be read. Slowly, over and over again, day and night. It's, it's meant to move forwards and backwards through with long bouts of scripture and short little sessions, slowly and carefully and on with ongoing consideration with these new insights that God continues to speak to you. This is what the invitation of Lectio Divina is. So I want to just transition into then, what does Lectio Divina actually look like? What are the steps? Because it is a method, it's, it's a way that we can walk through scripture with some qu- kind of like guardrail as we, as we enter that time. And like to Divina is, is unfolds in five specific stages. And I want you to think of the five R's, the five Rs. Ready, read, reflect, respond, and rest. And I want to walk through each step just briefly here, and then in a little bit we're actually just gonna practice it. We're gonna practice it together. You can use any passage of scripture for this passage. If you're brand new to this uh, practice, you can start with one of the Psalms or you can start, start with a passage in the Gospels, so maybe a story about Jesus, that'd be a great place to start. The first thing you do is you ready yourself. You, once you've selected that passage, you just prepare to meet with God. As simple as that. And it means turning off your phone, it means throwing it away in the trash, and it means setting it on fire. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but really, like put it in a different room, <laughs> turn it off, it is such a distraction when it comes to our time of just reading scripture alone with the Lord. So um, after that, just sit somewhere comfortably, quietly, in a solitary place, and don't rush through it. You're here to hear from God. So in this moment of readying yourself, just invite the Holy Spirit to come and to speak to you, uh, and, and just sit there in that place of silence for just a couple minutes, help it just to help you dial down and to quiet and calm your mind and your heart. And then, then you read the passage. You move into the second the second piece here. You read it slowly and carefully, and preferably, if you can, read it out loud. Try reading scripture out loud, because believe it or not, classical and historical meditation literature is intended to be read out loud. Because what it does is it slows down the process and it channels your focus, so take your time and as you move through the text, pay close attention to what the words, the words or ideas that draw your attention in unique ways. If something strikes you, pause for just a second. There's no need to rush on forward. Turn that word or phrase over in your mind before you move on to the next word or phrase. And when you hit the end of the passage, just stop and reflect for a moment. And then you go back into the beginning of the passage, you read it again, and this time it's the second time you're going through it, you're going to take the text personally. Instead of looking at the context, you're going to look at it through the lens of how does it intersect with your life, your thinking, your season that you're going through right now. Ask, what do I need to know or be in light of this text? And what does it mean for my life today? Consider circling or underlining some of those words or phrases that stick out to you as you read it that second time. And then you read it one last time, (laughs) again. And this this time is your time to respond to God, to talk to God about your experience of this passage. Ask God why this word or phrase caught your attention. God, why? Why this? What are you trying to say to me? Notice what you're sensing and feeling. If you're confused, say that to God. If you're kind of agitated or upset by something in, this, in the passage, tell that to God. Tell them how you feel and, and where it's hitting you. Remember, this is an exchange, so make sure you take time to just wait and listen for his response. And then the fifth step is to rest. It's bookended. This time is bookended with silence. Don't slam the book shut just yet. And carry on with your day, stay still for just a moment, sit in God's presence. Sometimes it's actually helpful to imagine the Father or Jesus personified, just sitting across for you, from you, just sit there in His presence for a moment. Wordless, quiet rest in the presence of God is actually called contemplation. Instead of striving, it's, it's just the being in His presence. And that's Lectio Divina. Simple, right? but hard, right? (laughs) I wanna end uh, my talk here with a story. And this is from Richard Foster's book, Prayer. It's an excellent, excellent book. And the story I found really encouraging and helpful, and I hope in closing that it'll be helpful for you as well. Jim Smith was a former student of mine, he says. Genuinely bright Jim went on to do graduate work at a prestigious school on the East Coast, by the second year, however, he was struggling to maintain his spiritual life. So he decided to take a private retreat. He arrived to the retreat house and was introduced to the brother who would be his spiritual director for that week. The brother gave Jim only one assignment to meditate on the story of the Annunciation in the first chapter of Luke's Gospel, and that was it. Jim went back to his room and he opened his Bible muttering to himself, birth narrative, I've read this like a thousand times. And for the first couple hours, he sliced and diced the passage. I mean, he came up with really great, insightful, useful insights, and he probably fit into future sermons. The rest of the day was spent in some twiddling silence. The next day, he met with the brother to discuss his spiritual life, and he asked Jim how things were going with his scripture passage, and Jim shared his insights, hoping the monk would be impressed. But he was not... (laughs) He said, well, there is more than just finding out what it says and what it means. There are also questions like, what does it say to you? Were you struck by anything? He urged him to read it as much with his head or with his heart as much as he did with his head. All day, Jim tried to do that, but by nightfall, he had practically had it memorized, and it was still utterly lifeless. Jim thought he would go deaf from the silence. The next day, they met again, and, and Jim was just honest. He was discouraged. And the brother said to Jim, Jim, you're trying to control God. Go back to the passage, and this time, open, be open to receive whatever God has for you. Don't manipulate God, just receive. All I want you to do is create the conditions. Open the Bible, read it slowly, listen to it, reflect on it. Well, Jim went back to his room, and he began reading. Nothing. Nothing nothing. By this time, he actually shouted at the ceiling, I give up, you win. And there was no response, just as he expected. And he just slumped over at the desk and just began weeping. A short time later, he picked up his Bible and he glanced over the text once again. The words were familiar, but somehow different. The opening words of Mary's response became his words, let it be to me, let it be to me. The words rang round and round in his head, and then God spoke. It was like a window had suddenly been thrown open, and God wanted to talk friend to friend. What followed was a dialogue about the story about God, about Mary, about Jim. The Spirit took him deep into Mary's feelings and doubts and fears and Mary's incredible faith-filled response, and, and of course, also a journey into Jim's feelings and fears and doubts. As a spirit the spirit of healing love and gentle compassion touched the broken memories of his past. Jim could barely believe that the angel's words to Mary seemed to be the word for him as well. You have found a favor with God. And Jim just wept in the arms of God's grace and mercy. And by this time, Jim was able to pray the prayer of Mary as his own. Let it be to me according to your word. And Jim had lost control of his life, and in the process, he found it. Isn't that beautiful? Well, we're going to enter into a time of Lectio Divina, where we are going to corporately walk through this exercise together. I'm going to have Adam and and Emma come on up, we're going to walk through the steps um, one by one, and I'll be here to guide you. And and don't worry about the time. I have my clock or my phone. Um, I'll worry about the time. You just sit back and enjoy um, and just walk through each step with me. So I'm going to open up our time in a word of prayer, and we're going to be silent for just two minutes. And I know that's going to feel like an eternity, but we're just going to do it for just two minutes. And uh, I'll watch my timer. I'll let you know. But this is the time where we want to dial down, right? We want to dial down and quiet our hearts and minds and not fall asleep, which I know will be really hard on a Friday night. For some of you, this is the first time you've stopped all day, and I totally get it. But I encourage you, stay engaged and be expectant. Be expectant. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. Holy Spirit, come. Come. Lord God, would you speak to each one of us tonight through your word? Would you sanctify our imaginations in the name of Jesus? Would you direct our attention that we might hear from you tonight? Now, Emma's going to read our passage tonight, and she's actually going to read it three times in the course of this exercise. It's Psalm 27, 1 through 8, and it's on the back of your handout, uh, or you could read it in your Bible. Um, Just as long as you have something to to read along with, I think that's really helpful. And as she reads, I want you to take note of any words or phrases that stand out or catch your attention. This is a time to just listen and notice. That's it, just listen and notice. And when she's done, we'll pause and I'll come back up.
0: The Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress protecting me from danger so why should I tremble when evil people come to devour me when my enemies and foes attack me they will stumble and fall though a mighty army surrounds me my heart will not be afraid for even if I am attacked I will remain confident The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me there where troubles come, and he will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock, Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. So hear me as I pray, O Lord, be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me, and my heart responds. Lord, I am coming.
1: As we read the passage again, this time, allow the passage to connect with you personally. What is resonating in your mind or in your heart in this season of life? Consider underlining or circling the parts of the passage that stand out to you, no matter why. We're simply identifying and we're noticing And once she's done, we'll pause, and then I'll come back up. The Lord is my
0: light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, They will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. For even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in His temple. For he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Hear me as I pray, O Lord, be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming.
1: As we read the passage a final time, ask God why these words or phrases caught your attention. Talk to God about how they impacted you and what they might be saying what he might be saying to you. Once she's done, we'll pause and I'll come back up.
0: The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, When my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. For even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. So hear me as I pray, O Lord, be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me, and my heart responds, Lord, I am coming.
1: We're gonna end our time in quiet, in God's presence for just a minute. Wordless, silent rest in God's presence, like I said, is it's contemplation. whenever you feel like you've heard something from God and whether you have or maybe not, what we do is in this time is we just relinquish those expectations, our thoughts, and we just simply rest in His presence with grateful hearts, trusting that whatever, Whenever our gaze is on him, he is ministering to us. So let's wait for just a moment. is alive, and that it is active, and that you use it to guide, to comfort, instruct, and speak your truth to us. We do. We thank you for this time, and we ask that you would just continue to use the phrases in tonight's passage to speak to our hearts. Amen. I want to thank you for coming tonight, and I want to encourage you to definitely try and make it out for our next 40 Days event. It's actually this Thursday, It's following Jesus to the cross, and it's going to be an interactive experience. We'll have stations of the cross set up. There's going to be readings and art, (laughs) and uh, it's a chance to meditate on Passion Week. You can come anytime on Thursday between 7 and 9 p.m., or on Friday, really all day. You can come whenever you can from 9.30 a.m. to 8.30 p.m. It'll be open here at the church. We'll uh, also be posting it online for those of you on Friday at 7 p.m. as well. I just hope that you have a wonderful evening tonight and we look forward to seeing you this weekend at the services. Bless you guys. Well,
0: thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.